Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about disrupting healthcare. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right, I'm back with another episode. And before I get into disrupting healthcare, I'm going to riff a little bit more about this whole beef with Bitcoin and energy, just for a little bit, just because I'm still, I got to get some off my chest. Let's explain the petrodollar system. A lot of people don't realize how the dollar became the most networked currency in the world. And it started around the 1950s, 60s, 70s, somewhere around the time where we basically made a deal with the Middle East. And we said, hey, listen, if you if you if you only sell your your oil, and I believe Saudi Arabia was the first one to get on board, uh, but if you only sell your oil in dollars, so everybody who wants to buy oil from y'all, which is everybody in the world, you you have to price it in dollars. So they, so the, so it makes them want to need dollars, right? And they, and they say if you do that, we'll be your um like we'll be y'all can be gangsters and we'll be your protection, right? We'll protect you and keep you keep you safe from people who want to come in and mess with uh, what you want to do. And people, some people are like, well, why would you want to, you know, why would they, why would they want people to do, you know, deal in dollars? Because if, you know, it makes everybody want your currency and 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 money, right? Money is just debt. For example, if they have money and they, they don't, they they need some oil. They might they might buy some oil now, but then they're 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 going to have they're going to need oil in the future, but they don't need it right now. Then they they have to put their currency into dollars, so they have to buy U.S. debt to to be able to purchase oil in the future, right? And so that that says, okay, we, you know, if 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 you owned a business and everybody in the world wanted to give you money for expansion because they 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 needed to, then that means you can grow a really big business. So that that allowed the U.S. to 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 expand and spend irresponsibly because everybody needed to lend the U.S. money. And so, and and over the years, right? If you want to read a really good book, read a book called um, "Confessions of an Economic Hitman." Like you'll read. I mean, this this is common knowledge now, but. You you know you'll you'll find out about how we removed and killed dictators who no longer wanted the price or who didn't want to price their oil in dollars, and there's tons of examples. One of the big lies of why we went into Iraq after the quote unquote weapons of mass destruction was to because they don't know that you know they no longer Saddam no longer wanted to price oil in dollars, so we went and killed them, right? And so I mean that's. This is not conspiracy. Like, this is real life. Look it up. Do your research. It's not. This is not some conspiracy blog type. It's, it's it's real life. And what it also enabled dictators to do, again, this is why the Saudi prince got to like kill that journalist and get away with it because of the deal that we got. And so we enabled dictators. Right? The people don't realize this. One point two billion people live in double digit or triple triple digit inflation. We're, we're in the West. We're spoiled and entitled, you know, and we don't live in those countries, but. I mean, the, the, the dictators basically can like, th- I mean, this is literally what they do. They say, okay, we know the currency is weak, but we're going to force our citizens to save in that currency. And then we're going to print more of it, make it worth less. We're going to take what we print. We're going to go buy gold and dollars and put them in Swiss banks, right? And buy American real estate and, and live a rich life. And this is literally what they do. And, and by the way, citizens, if you guys try and get on the internet and buy cryptocurrencies, like you're going to jail, right? If if we catch you with with dollars in your house, like we kill you, 
I mean, literally, like these, these are real stories, right? There's a there's a paper called Check Your Financial Privilege. Like, read it. It's real stories of like things that are happening now in the past of how dictators protect their family. But think about it. I mean, they, you know, why can they own dollars and other assets, but their citizens can't? Because they know we need them to save their money in the currency so it doesn't completely collapse. But we're not going to keep our savings in there because it's we're devaluing it on purpose. And it's it's disgusting. You know, we enable it with this, you know, bullshit system we got. And yes, Steve, you can keep that in there because I, I, I wanted that to be known. Make sure that uh, the kids listening don't say those words. They're, they're bad, but that stuff pisses me off. But that's the system that we live in. So when people go over here talking about, oh, but, you know, but we don't, we don't want Bitcoin because it's not environmentally friendly. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just FUD from the elites who want to keep the current system the way it is. You know, I'm like, you tell me what's worse, the the energy, the energy that Bitcoin uses, right? Or like the 87 percent of population of people who who live with a weak currency and can't, you know, can't have upward mobility, or the people that are killed in jail by dictators for wanting to be able to save money, you know, for their future. Like that's a that's a bigger problem, right? And by the way, the environment deal is not even an issue, which is beside the point because like to to, to it. To keep this U.S. dollar dictatorship-enabled system in place, it costs way more energy for all these, you know, all the military protecting these people in the Middle East. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All the boats and guns. And, I mean, this is it's ridiculous. Uh, so let me let me move on to the real thing before I start cursing again. Software is going to eat healthcare next. Here's the problem with healthcare right now: it's high cost. It's very reactionary versus proactive. It's controlled by health insurance companies and what they will and won't pay for. Believe it or not, there's still about 30 million people uninsured in the U.S. And let me give you a picture of like how it feels to go into a visit your physician now. And all you, all of y'all are gonna be like, "Yeah, this is true, right?" And it's gonna sound crazy, right? So you, so you go in, well, you book the appointment, you go in, you wait for 10, 20 minutes, sitting down around folks who are coughing, you know, and sneezing, and you, you know, you're just feeling icky. You fill out paperwork. Uh, from information that the, they already got from you. I mean, you maybe you filled out online before you came in or you gave it to them last time and you haven't moved, but they don't even give it to you pre-filled out from the old information. It's the, it's a blank form that you got to refill out again for another 10, 20 minutes, right? Then you're finally seen by your nurse, which is, which is nice. I, I like my nurse. She's pretty cool. They ask you a bunch of questions about shots and tests and treatments that you may or may not have before. You're like, I don't remember if I had that shot before, right? This takes 20 minutes. Then... They run diagnostic tests on you for another 20 minutes, right? Then doctor comes in and either asks you the same questions the nurse asks you, or they sit in front of a computer for 10 minutes to read the notes, <laughs> you know, and then they, then they turn around and ask you, hey, you know, how do you feel? Whatever, whatever. And then if you need to do anything like any blood tests or whatever, they say, all right, we're going to have you come back, you know, next week and, and do this and do this stuff and, 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 and don't be referred to a specialist. Because then when you go see the specialist, you got to do all this stuff all over again. And so it's a it's a very wasteful system. And no matter, it's, it's super expensive. And, and and there's 30 million under, uninsured. I mean, I want to, I mean, I can afford, you know, we have great health insurance and we can afford it. And I and I, I don't want to be insured because I don't want to go through this process. It's terrible, right? I'm, I'm halfway joking. But there's opportunity, right? Because it's, a lot of the technology is here to make it better. So for example, Genome sequencing, something I've been studying a lot recently. And genome sequencing is basically the blueprint for how humans uh, are put together. So, so think of it like 
us being able to build computers and make them more efficient, more effective, right? We now know how humans were built, like the bl- the blueprint of the, you know, I think it's like 3 billion data parts, like lots of data. And the price of genome sequencing is falling faster than the computer chip. So we got a lot of our innovations, you know, over the last 50 or so years because the, the cost of the computer chip fell so much, right? Uh, the genome sequencing price is following, falling a whole lot faster. So for example, in 2003, the first attempt to decode the human genome, it cost about $2.7 billion and it took over a decade to complete. All right, two decades later, which is which is now, it cost less than 600 bucks, right? <laughs> and not that long. And ARC Research Department is a, you know, ARC Funds, they're a big innovative fund company, right? They, they project that's going to cost less than 100 bucks in five years from now, right? And so as those costs become lower, it, ana- it allows more like personalized, Healthcare. So, so think of like the way Facebook uh, or Google is able to know what you want to buy or Amazon, what you want to buy based on the data they have on you. You know, so f- from a body standpoint, when they get your 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 information and they study how you are you uniquely put together, they can screen for lots of things that you might be high risk for and tailor your medical situation specifically to you, right? Which which is great for everybody, but specifically me as a black man, that's phenomenal, right? Because a lot of issues in our healthcare is because they, you know, everybody's built a little bit differently and there's different risks that I might have as a black man than somebody else who might be who might be different or, or vice or, or vice versa, the other way around. And so so that's phenomenal, right? The the other part is you you mix that with AI getting smarter because you have all this data, but you but AI is getting smarter at analyzing data. Again, think the algorithms of Facebook and Google, right? The lowering cost of healthcare devices. I was reading somewhere or listening to something where it said it's it's now like cheaper to have this heart monitoring device or something like in your house than it is to pay the copay of going to the hospital. Some something like that. And we're starting to see it in our iPhone. Like on my on my Apple Health, I can track my I track my weight every single day. They can track your blood pressure. You can do what is it called? An echocardiogram. It's, it's only a matter of time before all this stuff is like in our house or we can. And, and by the way, let me just paint a picture for you. Right. Here's here's the future visit of going to the doctor. Paint this picture. It'll make a lot of sense. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, the technology is already here. So your primary care physician has constant data on your diagnostics because you have devices needed to run those tests in your home and on your phone. So blood pressure, weight, heart rate, workouts completed alcohol consumption, right? All that stuff is already updated and sent to your primary care physician at all times, right? And and the AI in the system can can alert them when there's something off, right, relative to your unique profile or when you're off the plan that you should be on, you know, based on genotics, your unique uh, genomic sequence that they've done for you, right? Any shots that are that are needed, they can schedule a professional come by your house and give you the shots. Cause, and by the way, that's been around forever. Like whenever I got my life insurance exam, they came to the house and gave the shots. So you don't have to go there. You may have some sort of quarterly or annual video check-in with your physician to better understand your health plan and adjust the plan as needed. All of your data is kept in your health app. And you can transfer that data whenever you need it to a healthcare professional that, that you're working with. So all the paperwork that you would normally need is eliminated because you just... Everything stays updated in the app, and then you just say, "Hey, here, here's my info," and this eliminates tons of costs when it comes to like the real estate costs, the people costs. Right? You don't need as many people to do all this redundant information, 
And as a patient, right, you'll be more engaged, more healthy, more happier. And as we all know, like preventative care, right, a, a big reason why healthcare costs so much in America is you know, we're just fat as a country, you know, and people, people are like, oh, that's mean, you know, you shouldn't come here. Maybe, hey, man, you, if you, if you, like some people are fat, like we can't, like we can't sugarcoat things like that. And, that, and like if you, if you like being fat, that's fine. But I'm just saying when we're talking pure facts of cost of healthcare, the reason why healthcare is so expensive is we're a, we're a fat country, right? And so if we can fix that through preventative care, right, better care, that lowers the cost for everybody, right? And so that that is the future. And, 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 and so one of the companies that we recently added to the Stonehill Macro Opportunity Strategy is Teladoc, because Teladoc is at the, at the center of that movement. And uh, they really exploded last year in the pandemic, you know, but I think it showed everybody that, hey, like this is a, this is a, uh, these tools are out there and available, and they are they are leading the way. Like, and I ch- just like download the Teladoc app and, and check it out and look at it, and you'll be like, wait a minute, like I'm gonna be because going back to what I said before many times, the network is the new leverage, and so me as a consumer, I hate my healthcare experience now, and so if I can go through something like Teladoc and make it better, then my physician, if they're not using Teladoc, they might lose my business. Right. And so then I, so the ones who are providing a better experience will gain more business. Well, then that's going to force the other doctors to get on board and then it'll force their patients on board. And it's a network effect. Right. Going back to like we all don't love Facebook, but we're on Facebook because of the network effect. This this works the same way with Teladoc. And they and and just like Amazon, people are like, well, but all they do right now is offer like video chat services and all that. I'm like, listen, man, Amazon starts selling books first. <laughs> it's not about what they're doing right now. It's Hey, are they adding people to the network? Because if they understand where the where the industry is going, which they clearly do more than anybody else, they can add the additional. They can integrate your Apple Watch information into it. They can they can add on services to send somebody to your house to to give you a shot. Like all that stuff can be added on, uh, and and they may already do some of that stuff right now. But this is an innovation that I believe is going to change the market, right? And maybe it not, maybe it's not Teladoc, maybe some other company, but right now they're the leader. And so we're investing in in the leader. And I just, I think that's like the future. So I'm excited. Check it out. Uh, this is again, as I, as I always mentioned, not investment advice. But y'all enjoy your weekend and I'll be back talking to you Monday. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.